It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Welcome to Lighthouse Faith Podcast, where we are moving forward in truth and love. I'm Lauren Green, Chief Religion Correspondent for Fox News Channel and author of the book, Lighthouse Faith. Well, Hobby Lobby is uh, the national crafts chain, arts and crafts chain, really, with some 900 stores in the country, employs 50,000 people and grosses an estimated $8 billion annually. Did you also know that the company continues to thrive despite giving away 50% of its profits, closes every Sunday so workers can spend time with family and go to church. These are not exactly the kind of business practices MBAs learn at Wharton or Harvard, but it has been the biblically-based principles that have made Hobby Lobby one of the most successful privately-owned companies today. And David Green is the founder and CEO and lays out these counterintuitive business practices in his new book, co-offered with Bill High. It's called Leadership Not by the Book, 12 Unconventional Principles to Drive Incredible Results. Welcome to you both. Bill High is here, too. Um, I, I said your bio, Mr. Green. Yes. And let me just give you a little bit about Bill High. He's founder and executive chairman of the Signatory. It's named one of the top 25 speakers in philanthropy in 2015 and part of Forbes' nonprofit council. Bill lives with his wife, Brooke, in the Kansas City area. Welcome to you both. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, like I said, um, and I should say as a disclaimer that, that David Green and I are not related, no. um, that we just have the same na- last name. Um, but I'm sure somewhere back in the back, you it know, we're both we Irish, because I do have some Irish back there. Yeah. Okay. Um, but this is an interesting um, phenomenon of Hobby Lobby. And what was this your principle from the very beginning that you're going to build a business, but keep to biblical principles? You know, I started out with my wife and I started out with $600. So I think our, our original idea was tied to survive. And so I guess it has... Uh, over the years, it has developed into where that we really like to use a company to do things that's more important than just accumulate wealth. So we've been in business 50 years. This is the 50th year. And so we thought it was a good time to put a book together that really speaks of how we got here and some of our thoughts. How did you start a business with $600? I mean, 600 doesn't mean as much today as it did yeah, in 19, 50 years ago, yeah, but, 19, I mean, honestly. Exactly. In 1972, we borrowed $600 from the bank, and we started making these small frames in our garage. My sons were seven and nine, and they glued the, game, the, the frames together in our garage, and my wife shipped them to all these little mom and Paul stores. So that's how we got started. Wow. And we opened our first store in 1972, and it was only 600 square feet. Wow. I mean, and then just this idea of building this, it's still privately owned, right? Yes, it's, it is. This corporation. Um, yes. How did it grow to 900 stores, 50,000 employees, doing $8 billion a year? Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess if, if you're looking at 50 years, it's been a lot of ups and downs, a lot of hard times. But, you know, God has brought us through all of that. And today... Uh, God has uh, given us a very successful company where we can give 50% of our earnings away. And Hobby Lobby also has no debt. This is amazing. Now, Bill, Bill, how did you get involved with uh, helping uh, with writing this book? 
Well, I've known David for almost 20 years, and in the course of getting to know David, one of the things that we started doing is we started hosting CEO events. Leaders from around the country wanted to meet and hear David. Certainly, some of that was prompted by the Supreme Court case, but well beyond that. And so as we started hosting these events, and again, another reason behind the book, we had a number of people from Harvard and Stanford, and they'd walk in and they would observe what was happening at Hobby Lobby. They had to be scratching their heads. And they would say, how does this work when it shouldn't? Yeah. I mean, how do you run a retail business and not open on Sunday, close at 8 o'clock, give 50, 50% of your profit and pay eighteen fifty an hour? So it's really a business case study in many ways. How do you follow not the traditional ways of the world, but the Bible when you run a business? It really, though, is about you putting your employees first. It seems as though that's one of the what's one of the philosophies. And I want to get to some of those because you talk about there's 12 unconventional principles to drive incredible results. And one of the, the first ones, the part one is God-focused practices. Give the true owner the vote. God is the real owner of your business. That is principle number one. Yes. We like to spend a time in prayer. The Bible talks about pray without ceasing. I try to do that. And to do that, I kind of tell myself that Christ and God is with me all the time because he says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. So I think walking uh, uh, beside him and him coming along aside our our talents, but he gives us all talents. But when they're blessed, it's much, much, much greater. So this is what we, we try to do. And then also we say, give God the vote. A lot of times when we do a deal, we try to figure it, figure it where God can say no. Because at some point you're able to make things happen, and you really don't want to make things happen. You really want to know that this is what God would have you to do. So we may offer some crazy uh, amount for something and know that it's a miracle if it happens. So we always try to find a way that God can say no, and that's one of the things that we're talking about in those chapters. Now, one of the things you also talk about is listening to the Holy Spirit. Um, and for many people, they have that's a hard one because – who is speaking when, when the Holy Spirit is speaking? And that's, you know, Pope Francis talks about discernment, talks about the idea of discernment and, and listening to the Holy Spirit. And one of the pitfalls can be, how do you know it's the Holy Spirit? And how do you know the difference if it's just you talking? Right. Well, for me, I don't think there's a lot of ch- times that I tell you that the Holy Spirit has talked to me, but I think every time the Holy Spirit has talked to me, first you ha- it has to line up with God's Word. If it doesn't line up with God's Word, it's not the Holy Spirit. And then secondly, in my life, every time the Holy Spirit has talked to me, and I know that it has, it's been pivotal in my life. So it's been a pivotal time when when the Lord and the Holy Spirit speaks to me. So that's the way that I know is that then I am being sort of redirected in my life. What has been the most, Bill, what has been the most challenging thing about making a business biblical in this kind of day and age? Yeah, the number one thing that David talks about is the idea of that God's the owner of the business. That's scary for a lot of people. They don't teach that at Wharton for sure. No, they don't. They teach that it's yours and you should build that business, make as much money as you can and take all those profits, use it for yourself, go buy you know, the second home, the eighth home as the case may be. <laughs> but what does it really mean if you say that God's the owner of the business? And again, David says it really well. Sometimes we say, if we're people of faith, that God's the owner, but what do we really do with it? Yeah. 
I think I, I want to dwell on this point because I will say that even if you don't own a business and you take in a paycheck, it's really hard to see that paycheck as something that actually belongs to God. And it's kind of the same concept, right? Yes, it is. In fact, it's really scary. And it was for me as one of the toughest times in my life when I had someone to tell me what to do with the wealth and how I could really, really mess up with the family by giving them wealth. They may or may not have to work. And then so I was in the backyard praying and when the Holy Spirit talked to my to me and he says, um, what if the Jones family owns your business? Well, I said, well, I have nothing to give. And that was a turning point in my life. That was one of those pivotal times when I knew I didn't own the business. So now what do I do with it? So what we do with it now, we steward it. We're the steward of Hobby Lobby. And that's how it has really helped us. Everything about ownership can really mess up a family if there's Mm -hmm. wealth. But in stewardship, it really cleans up a lot of problems, hundreds of problems that can happen in a family when you have a lot of wealth and, and children. I've got great, great children, but I don't need to be given my great-grandkids wealth before they're born. I've got two new great-grandkids that's going to be born in the next six months, and I don't want to make them billionaires before they're born. So in our family, we don't own the company. We are stewards, and we earn what we the salary we should earn for what we do. Well, that's a big difference because that's how the wealth is spread out. That's how you pay $18, $18.50 an hour mm-hmm. for, for workers. But that whole idea that wealth should not be just sort of handed to mm-hmm. children. I mean, this is this is how money ruins people. Yeah, the Bible tells us that wealth can really can really mess it mess up. And wealth is a uh, curse. The Bible talks about now it doesn't have to be, but it can be. And in many many cases, we found wealth has really been a curse to families. But in our family, everybody receives. We have a committee that decides what the CEO makes, which is me and other officers. And by the way, we have a tremendous amount of officers and people. And eighteen fifty, by the way, is our minimum, not not our average. But, wow. but uh, we we just don't see that. And by the way, it's not because we say it's not ours. It's because the Bible says God owns everything. So how can you own something God owns? So we accept that. And not only do we accept it, we accept it as a better way. And that is to steward what God has given us rather than to, to pile upon riches on ourselves and our children and really have a really good chance of messing them up. I'll tell you, Bill, this is probably the most counterintuitive way to run a business I have ever heard and probably most business people I've ever heard. I'd, I'd be curious to see what, what Stuart Farm he actually said this about it because this is about business. I mean, the idea and I mean, their whole existence is based on how the Dow is doing, how the business is doing, how who's making what and, and when if we're losing money and we're gaining money. I mean, how do you do this? Yeah, I mean, even that idea of giving giving away fifty percent that raised some eyebrows with Stuart and his colleagues. Yeah, I know. I, they but they probably don't even. How do you even exist giving that kind of money away? Yeah, and but see, that's the beauty of it is that when you run a company according to biblical principles, it changes everything. This idea of stewardship that says, and in America, we don't appreciate the idea. You go over to Europe, and there are businesses that business societies that you don't get into unless 
you've been around for 200 years. And we've lost sight of that idea. The idea in America is start a business, grow it, and then exit. Make as much money as you can. But if you steward a business, the idea is let's keep this thing going. Let's keep the people and the culture intact. Let's keep the environment of the giving going on so that you're really a powerful impact in the society that you live in. You know, um, David, um, I wish to call you Mr. Green because I feel like, but, but I, Mr. Green was great. my dad, so yeah. I feel it's really hard to look and David's say, great. David. Thank you. Um, my my niece, who's you know um, much older now, but when she first came to New York, and she's since moved back to Minnesota, but when she came to New York and young, and had all these dreams about like making making it in New York. And she got a job at one of the retail um, outlets. I won't even say what, who, because I don't want to talk about them right now. But she was so frustrated because the owner who had started the company had sold it to a corporation. Mm-hmm. And the, they wouldn't let them work over like 30 hours mm-hmm. because they would have had to give them health care. Mm-hmm. And being a young person and being away from home, that that frustrated her because mm-hmm. she was more than willing to work longer hours, mm-hmm. but they wouldn't let her because she needed to make her rent. But they wouldn't let her because um, that would make more health care for mm-hmm. and would cost the company more. But then what really got her angry was that the 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 man who sold the company to them had had purchased or built a house for like a hundred million dollars or got a hundred million dollars off the sale and was building a 30 million dollar place in the Hamptons or whatever. That doesn't happen in your world, does it? You know, for me, the most important thing for me is my family. My marriage, I've been married 61 years and my family that serves the Lord. And that's the most important thing for me. So why should I not care about those that are employed by me? So we have chaplains, we have our own clinic, we even have an MRI machine at at the warehouse and at the corporate offices. So we want to do everything we can to come alongside our employees. We allowed every everyone that's salaried, by the way, to go off on a weekend for a, a marriage seminar, as an example. So we need to care about our people, and that's one of the reasons they care about us, is they know for sure that we care about them. And so everything we do uh, says that. We don't want them working long hours. That's not why we're not open on Sundays, where we're closed at 8 o'clock at night. No company our size is open only 66 hours a week. So it's really important for us to care about those that have brought us to where we are today. I, I love your Christmas commercial, by the way, <clears throat> with yeah. the hot chocolate. Yeah, and, and then the marshmallows come in, and every year we have something different that it's uh, it's really supposed to be kind. It's and really it heartfelt. Is. Yeah, it is. This is um, I want to take a break right now here on Lighthouse Faith Podcast because I want to get to the part two because I think that's really – we've been kind of talking about it, but I want to get to the part two. We'll, we'll be right back with David Green and uh, Bill High. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Dominich, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Dominich Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. All right, we're back uh, at Lighthouse Faith Podcast talking with um, David Green. He's a CEO and founder of Hobby Lobby. And Bill Nye, he is the uh, founder and executive uh, chairman of Signatory. Um, their book, Leadership Not by the Book, 12 Unconventional Principles to Drive Incredible Results. And um, Hobby Lobby certainly is an example of this because they have they gross like $8 billion a year. They've got 50,000 employees and 900 stores nationwide and all um, by, and they still give away like about half of their profits. Um, but Bill, one of the things that's part two in this book is people-centered practices. 
And that's actually the counterintuitive part because the companies that we think today, the, the philosophy is the company is, is, is the, the massive entity and all the workers just work for it. But it, this is the opposite way around, right? This is the whole idea of people before money. It's a little bit of what you were referring to, your niece coming in here and not being able to get health care. It's the idea that if you really take care of your people, David talks about the idea that God told him that, man, I put these people in your charge. You were a steward over them. And he would tell you that it's this idea that he wants to be able, even before he'd give a dollar to missions, is that he'd take care of his people first. That's different. And I, you know, I have to say that probably a lot of people who are more conservative minded would probably start thinking the, you know, the bells of socialism are at work here in Hobby Lobby. I mean, have you had that kind of uh, criticism? No, I don't think we've had that at all. <laughs> not, not, not directly, anyway. Now, Stuart so, raised that, by the way. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> tell, but tell me about the lawsuit, because this is the thing that I think put a Hobby Lobby kind of right. on the map. What happened with the lawsuit? Well, our legal department told me it was going to have to have four uh, prescriptions that would require, we think, would be uh, to take life. And uh, we, we just knew we couldn't do that. These were abortifacients. Abortifacient, and that's why the, the, these prescriptions we knew we couldn't do. So we, we brought the family together, Gen 1, Gen 2, Gen 3 is my grandkids. We wanted to hear from all three generations, and we listened to the, the youngest first, and nobody was willing to pay for these abortifacients. And uh, so we, we were left with no choice but to soothe our government. We love our country. We love our government. But we we had not we just we were left with nothing else to do. And by the way, the the government was going to charge us because of the number of employees. We did the math on it. Mm-hmm. We would be charged one point three million dollars a day if we wouldn't uh, go against our conscience. Is what they were asking us to do. Wow. And so actually, uh, we've you know it went through several courts. We lost three three or four times before we got it to the Supreme Court. And thank the Lord, we had a lot of people praying for us and. Uh, we were relieved from having to pay for these. Did you ever get any pushback from your employees that they wanted to have access to these these drugs? You know, one of the things about our employees, and they know how openly we are about loving Jesus and the Lord, is we're never pushy about it. And we really don't have any pushback. It's almost non-existing. But we did have people outside, though, that said they would not shop us. And even today, there's a lot of people feeling like we hate women, so to speak, because mm-hmm. we don't supply these. But we still have to do what we have to do. And uh, But that's where we got most pushback is from the public. But from the employees, we've never had a lawsuit relative to someone thinking that we're trying to push something on them because we just say here's who we are and this is what we want to be and then you're free to do you know whatever that wherever your conscience is this is very this is very similar to chick-fil-a um the um the founder and owner um had come out and said he was he believed marriage was between a man and a woman and he got a lot of pushback from the uh from the public although their practices their their business practices never excluded anyone um, and was always welcoming to people. Um, But the public perception can really play a number on any company. Um, Do you feel like you've been hurt in any way from just the public perception of Hobby Lobby? Like every time the name name goes up there, oh, it's those people who um, are pro-life and... um, you know, I tell, women. I tell people every time I do something that doesn't look right, it always costs me like closing on Sunday cost. I can't, I, I have to admit it. 
we stopped selling Halloween because we just didn't feel good about it. Mm. We we sued the government because we didn't want to. Pay, but every one of those costs us money. So every, I think God has it planned that way. It's not like you do the right thing, then something is going to good is going to happen. I think you're supposed to do it because it's just the right thing to do. But I have to say, in the bigger picture, God has blessed us beyond anything we could even imagine. But that's in the bigger picture. But for us, every time we've done something that looks like it's going to cost, it is cost. Yeah, I mean, but if your if your focus is on only making money, right. then of course it's it's a negative. Now, Bill, one of the things that we talk about in real values is that one of the biggest problems in society in society today is disordered loves, that our hearts are drawn to the wrong things, and that it's like a tire that who spoke the center center is off kilter just a little bit. And we can't figure out why the ride isn't smoother. This is, I think, the Hobby Lobby is an example of a God-centered, well-ordered kind of company. And yet, is there any sense in the business world that people are looking at you and saying, let's hold this up as an example? Or is that just too much in a secular world? You know, clearly we've drifted to this place where the rights of individuals triumph over everything. And so in the book, we really talk about this idea of working for the bigger idea that you are part of the bigger community. We have a chapter in there. We talk about this idea that we really are trying to put people before money. David talks about the idea that he's not just trying to empower people, but he's trying to hire great people and let them make decisions truly. So he defers to them, giving them authority. When they feel like they're part of a community that can move something forward, and I I had the chance to interview all the C-level leaders, and to a person, they all said, we are amazed by being part of a company. And that's the key. They are part of something that they can truly move something forward. They feel like they're part of the giving. They're part of a bigger mission. So it moves from that individualism to the sense that they're part of a big community that has an impact in the world. That's what we're aiming for. Mm -hmm. I have to wonder because now, Bill, as we move forward, there are other issues that are coming into play with employees. Do you ever get the accusation that you only hire Christians or you only hire people of faith so you won't get any pushback, you know, for all of these practices? No, no, that would be illegal. I mean, they would stop us in a a second if we even asked somebody what their faith was. We have never done that. We don't want to do that. We want to bring in everybody. And then we don't mind just being an example to where I think God wants us to be, to love one another and care for one another. And that's what we want to do with our employees. We want to be an example to the best of our ability. And by the way, we mess up. We don't have it all right (laughs) by any means. But, you know, I I think it's because we like to say we like to do this um, for our employees because it's the right thing to do. But by the way, it's good for business. But we don't in any way try to segregate people from faith or no faith or different faith. We've never tried to do that. And I think that's one of the reasons we have never been sued because of our faith. You know, um, C.S. Lewis once wrote about, and he was actually, I'm not, I'm not sure if it was a, um, a letter to someone or in one of his books, but he talked about the idea of usury, of interest rates, uh, and that in the Old Testament, um, Moses and other biblical um, philosophies, they actually um, said usury was not God's plan. 
of of um, interest, charging interest for loans and that sort of thing. Um, but he wasn't quite sure if that was directed at individuals or to companies. We obviously base all of our, you know, economic system on interest. Do you have a thought about that? Because that's very biblically minded. Yeah, well, I started by borrowing $600, so I've got to stop real quick there. But on the other hand, I think as we progressed in our company, I think the Lord really likes it that we don't have any debt long term. Mm -hmm. We borrow some money to buy all of our Christmas and fall, then we pay it off, but we have no long-term debt. So I I really can't go there. Mm -hmm. I do know Mm -hmm. that God loves me, and He doesn't want me laying awake at night because of debt. And so I have to be very, very careful. I love my sons and my daughter, I don't want them to be in debt and lose because I love them. God loves us, and he doesn't want us just to be choking on debt. When we get in debt, a lot of times we say we know the future. And we got in debt at a time growing, and everything was fine, and then things fell apart, and the banks were going to foreclose on us. So we've learned that debt can be a a, a big obstacle, and we don't want to be there again. You know, Bill, one of the things in the last part, which is... Which is not as well defined, you know, for a lot of people is common sense practices. Now, a lot of things may seem like common sense to some people, but not to others. What are your ideas about common sense practices? Well, one of the big signs inside of Hobby Lobby is this idea of keep it simple, close counts. And when you hear that idea, close counts, no way. I mean, shouldn't you be aiming for perfectionism? And the reality is, is that if you do, I think we said it something like perfection is perfectionism is going to be the enemy of progress. If you try to keep being perfect, just not going to be able to move forward. So again, inside of a big business like this, frankly, any kind of walk of life, sometimes you've just got to say, we're close enough. Let's move forward. Let's see what happens. And I think that applies to all walks of life. So for any aspiring leader, any existing leader, the idea of saying, let's move forward and not just try to get it perfect. Well, well, you know, it's interesting. Your main competitor, I would guess, will be Michael's, right? Right. How are you two situated? I mean, who makes more money? We're doing very, very well. <laughs> <laughs> Is Michael's looking at you and thinking, well, maybe we need to adopt some of these business practices? I'm not real. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I'm not real sure what they're thinking. But anyway, I'll, <laughs> I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Listen, you know, I grew up in Minnesota. I, I was more familiar with Michael's than I was with Hobby right. Lobby. But Hobby Lobby's in Minnesota now, too. Right, right. Yeah, we our, our sales are considerably above theirs, and they have more stores. Their stores are about twenty five thousand feet. Our average store is about fifty five. So we have different size stores. So if they start selling your book, you'll know that they're trying to. Uh... I don't think they will start selling my book. <laughs> if there is a most important thing you can leave people with in terms of understanding how you start a business, how you stay close to God at the same time, because there are so many distractions, and so many ways to get lured away from biblical values. I think uh, following God's word, he left us, our creator left us with a manual. And I think one of the things uh, in starting a business, for younger people I say, the Bible tells us whatever your hands finds to do, do it the very, very best. Be the best that you can be. It's not like, well, this is not what God has for me, and so I'm going to be haphazard at it. Well, you're in disobedience in that way. But when you're in obedience, if you're at McDonald's, by the way, and you're not doing a good job, they don't want you and God doesn't want you. So do the very, very best you can at whatever you have, and you'll find it's not man that promotes you. Actually, it's God that promotes you to 
where he wants. He has a plan for every one of us, and we will find that plan when we're in obedience with him and his word. And Bill, what what are some lasting words you can leave with? Well, you know, I think John Wesley said it something like this. He said this idea that the world has this philosophy that says make all you can so you can get all you can so you can sit on your can. And, <laughs> and I think the different idea really here is make all you can so you can give all that you can so that you can impact all that you can. That's a much bigger idea. Wow. That's leadership, not by the book. I, I love this. I absolutely love this. The book is called Leadership, Not by the Book, 12 Unconventional Principles to Drive Incredible Results. Um, David Green, CEO of Hobby Lobby, and Bill High, uh, founder and executive chairman of The Signatory. I want to thank you so much for being on Lighthouse Faith Podcast. It's been an education, and it's been really uplifting. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you all for listening to Lighthouse Faith Podcast. Have a blessed day. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.